This is Archbishop Blaise Supich, Archbishop of Chicago. Today, I invite you to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a non-for-profit apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization that utilizes media, both old and new, to share the faith on every continent and facilitate an encounter with Christ in His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire Catholic Ministries engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. This is an invitation to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. When our hearts are open, the Lord changes and transforms us so that we in turn begin to share the warmth and light of Jesus Christ, who is the Word on Fire. The global benefactors of Word on Fire Catholic Ministries, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our Gospel reading for today is taken from that extraordinary high priestly discourse of Jesus during the Last Supper in the Gospel of John. You know how in John, it's in chapter 6 that we have the Eucharistic teaching because we don't really have in John's account of the Last Supper an institution narrative or an account of the Eucharist. What we do have, though, is this extremely rich, densely complex, lengthy sermon of Jesus. In fact, along with the Sermon on the Mount, it's the longest sustained speech of Jesus in the New Testament, which is why theologians and spiritual teachers over the centuries have paid very close attention to it. I think to grasp the dynamics of this speech is to grasp almost the whole of Christian spirituality. Can I encourage all of you? Take the time to sit down with the Gospel of John, his account of the Last Supper, and read through this high priestly prayer. Well, there's a particular line toward the end of this passage that's a kind of key that unlocks the whole thing. I think if we grasp this, we unlock many of the mysteries and peculiarities of Christianity. Here's what Jesus says. It was not you who chose me, but I who chose you. All of the spiritualities on display today are grounded in the principle of our quest for God, our quest for meaning, our longing for peace. We seek, we ask, we find, we navigate our way up the holy mountain. Now, mind you, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with all this. It's what spiritual seekers have done from the beginning of time. It can even allow one to come to rather deep insights into God. But, but, it represents something qualitatively different than what is on display in Christianity. Jesus insists that our choices vis-a-vis God are relatively insignificant. Our climbings of the holy mountain, relatively speaking, not that important. Here's what matters. Here's what matters. That God has sought us out. 
that God has chosen us, that God hunts us down like the hound of heaven. It's not so much you who've chosen me, it's I who have chosen you. And see, to get that straight, to get that prioritization clear, is to get much of what Christianity is about. In fact, I would say when we get this right, everything changes in the spiritual order. Now, I'm not going to spend my time fussing so much about how I'm going to reach God. Rather, I'm going to cultivate an attitude of surrender. I'm going to allow myself more and more to be found. Most importantly, I'm not going to live any longer in the tiny world of my projects and plans. Even, even of my exalted spiritual projects and plans. You know, I might have plans about my economic success, about my family, about my work, etc. But then I've got even more rarefied, more refined plans about how I'm going to cultivate my spiritual life. Heck, even those, even those fall to the side. Because I'm now going to be drawn into the dynamics of the theodrama. The drama that God is writing. The drama that God is directing. Listen now, the drama that God has chosen me to play a part in. Now we're talking. I've I've mentioned this before to you, but most of us spend our lives cultivating the ego drama. You know what I want, what I'm going to do, the drama I'm starring in. Ah, that's nothing. That's nothing compared to the excitement of the theodrama. When I allow a higher power to take me, perhaps, where I don't want to go, when I see myself as ingredient in a story not of my own telling, that's so important, I think, friends, because the stories that we tell about ourselves, the stories in which we are the stars, are finally not all that interesting. They're as interesting as as our little imaginations can make them, as compelling as our little minds can make them, which means not very compelling or interesting at all. The fun begins when we let God write our story. The fun begins when we allow God to be the producer and director of his drama in which I find a part. One of the great quotes along these lines is from Jesus' conversation with Peter after the resurrection. He says, Peter, when you were a young man, you tied your own belt and went where you wanted to go. But when you're an old man, someone else will tie you up and take you where you do not want to go. That's about the shift from the ego drama to the theodrama. When you're a young man, full of yourself, full of your projects and plans, you went where you wanted to go. But Peter, when you're an old man, that's when, spiritually speaking, you'll begin to live for the first time. Because now you let somebody else tie you up. That somebody else is the Holy Spirit. And take you where you don't want to go. That means you're ready for a spiritual adventure. Now, the readings for this week, I think, give us a number of indications of the consequences of this shift, when we shift from the ego drama to the theodrama, what does it look like? What's the texture of that shift? 
Here's the first observation. Being chosen by Christ means that you'll be sent on a mission. From our gospel for today, I have appointed you to bear fruit. To accomplish something. To achieve something. Christianity is not really a mysticism of spiritual self-realization. You find that all over the New Age. Pick up any New Age book. You'll find some version of you can become the, the fuller version of yourself. Here's how you become yourself in relation to God or to the energy of the universe or something. Well, that ain't Christianity. Christian spirituality is always mission-oriented. It's ordered to a great task that God has given us. I think I mentioned to you before that there's no great hero in the Bible, none that I know of, no exception to this, that's not given a mission once he or she has encountered God. So it goes with the true God. Hans-Urs von Balthasar said, we don't really know who we are until we've discerned God's mission for us. You don't know your name. You don't know your deepest identity until you know what it is God wants you to do. He's chosen us and then sent us. Missio just means sending. We got a mission. Secondly, once we made this shift from the ego drama to the theodrama, we know that our mission will always be an expression of love. For love is what God is. We hear this, of course, in our second reading from John's first letter. God is love. God doesn't simply have love. Love is not simply one of God's attributes. Love is what God is. For God is a play between a lover, the Father, a beloved, the Son, and the love that they share, the Holy Spirit. That's what God is. That's the essence of God. Therefore, we've been chosen by love for the sake of bearing love. That's the form it'll always take. We've been chosen by the one who is love for the sake of bearing love to the world. But love, as I've said to you a million times, is not primarily a feeling or a sentiment. Love is willing the good of the other as other. Your mission, and it'll take a million different forms. Every mission is, is uh, tailored to the individual. But whatever it is, it'll take the form of love. Look at the lives of the saints here. Saints are wildly different from each other. Different backgrounds, different styles, different personalities, different types of mission. But they all have one thing in common. The mission is always about love. Whether it's Joan of Arc or Francis of Assisi or Augustine of Hippo or Thomas Aquinas or Mother Teresa or the Little Flower, whatever it is, and those people could not be more different from each other, but they all have this in common. It's a mission of love. And this love has a kind of limit expression. Listen again from our gospel. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And that, of course, is the, is the mission of Jesus. But it's the mission of all the saints. It's the mission of all of us. You've got to find a way to lay down your life for others. Now, it might not be in the most dramatic way, the way a martyr does. But you find a way to make of your life a gift. 
then you're on the track. You're in right relation to God. Furthermore, relatedly, this choice of God, this being chosen by God, means you become God's friend. See, think of it, you know, we can't earn the divine friendship through our, histo- our heroic spiritual or moral efforts. Think for a second of a purely human friendship. If, if another human being is simply someone that you deeply admire and you seek out, you seek to emulate, well, he's not your friend. Friendship always involves the opening up of the self to another. Isn't it true? You become someone's friend when you open your heart and he or she opens his or her heart to you. Well, this is precisely what God does in Christ, is he reveals his heart to us. He invites us into intimacy with him, and therefore he can say, I no longer call you servants, but friends. Who are the friends of Christ? The ones who know his heart. What's his heart? It's a heart of love. What's love? It'll always be the the center of the mission. See, it's all connected together. It's not you've chosen me. It's I've chosen you to be my friend, to be a bearer of my love to the world. Finally, God's choice of us, God's drawing us into mission and friendship, makes us joyful. I think it's really sad that so many people associate Christianity with burdensome rules and joyless moral obligation. The whole purpose of the Christian operation is to make us happy. Jesus' great sermon begins with the Beatitudes. Beatitudo just means joy. He's delineating those moves and attitudes that are designed to make us happy. We are happy in the measure that we become God's friends, in the measure that we are conformed to his love, in the measure that we found our mission, in the measure that we allow ourselves to be chosen. Friends, I think these are all the themes now that are woven through the high priestly prayer of Jesus. Take the time now as the Easter season comes to a close to read through that great discourse in a prayerful way, and you'll see the power of this shift. It is not we who have chosen Christ. It's Christ who has chosen us. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to The Word on Fire. My prayer is that each of us may be on fire with love for God and neighbor. Until next week, I pray that God will bless you and those you love.